Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Hey, welcome to the Local Church. I'm Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, dads, where are you at? Where are all the dads at? Listen, I really do mean this. We need you. We're so grateful for your leadership. We, we need your leadership. We need your consistency. We, we need your love in our lives. And I'm just so grateful that we're in the perfect place for imperfect people filled with fathers who may not hit the mark all the time, but have a father who's with them every step of the way. And so I just believe that today God wants to transform the dads in this place. But even though I want to speak to the dads today, we're continuing on our series, Dollars and Cents. I believe that what God wants to share with us today has the power to transform every single one of us. And that's what I want to do this Father's Day is just reveal God's word and let it do its thing in our heart. So happy Father's Day. Now, I want to ask you, does anyone remember last Father's Day? The Father's Day in 2020. No one remembers it. Let me, let me see my show of hands. How many guys, like one person, two, three, four. Okay, I remember it clearly because it was not a normal Father's Day. If you recall, last year, we were not here on Father's Day. We, we recorded services. We were doing church online. And so that Father's Day w- w- was supposed to be a day of freedom for me because I had been teaching my, my kids online. I've been with them 24 hours a day. The week of Father's Day, my wife, Jessica, she was sick and incapacitated, so she couldn't help me parent the kids. And so it was all left to me. And so on that Father's Day, I asked one thing. I said, Jessica, Ethan, Emma, Everett, leave me alone. That's all I want. I just want to sleep in late and eat whatever I want, and I don't want any complaints. Well, 6 a.m., Father's Day morning, kids run in the room. Dad, it's Father's Day. Play with us. I'm like, no, no. Did you hear my one request? I don't want to do anything. But my wife was still sick, and so I'm like, great. Great, and then now, now, now I'm angry. Now I'm upset. Now I'm discontent because I could not get what I wanted to be happy on my day, on Father's Day, and I felt really guilty. And so I watched the online service and I listened to the preacher, which was me preaching to me. I'm like, oh, I feel so convicted. So I decided to make myself happy, but include my children in the process. I let Jessica stay home and recover and get well. And so I said, kids, we're going to go down to Winwood. Daddy wants to eat at this new place called Red Rooster. It's fried chicken. We're going to have a fun time. Okay, I'll buy you ice cream, all sorts of stuff. Just, just come with me. So I got to do what I wanted to do. I got to eat what I wanted to eat. But when the kids heard fried chicken, they had one idea in their mind. And when they got Red Rooster, which is elevated fried chicken, which is kind of like West Indian, African fried chicken, they're like, like, what is this? We don't want this. We want chicken nuggets. And I said, kids, it's my day. It's not your day, okay? So you're going to eat this. And they started complaining. They started whining. And so I, I thought I was real smart. I said, kids, we can't eat fried chicken today because Chick-fil-A is closed. And they're like, dad, we're not talking about Chick-fil-A. We want a happy meal. We want our French fries and our apples and our chicken nuggets and our toy. Now, I don't know if your kids are like my kids, but my kids believe that, that deep inside their heart, there's a void that only these golden arches could fill. 
and they want a happy meal and they'll do whatever it takes. They'll scream whatever they want to make sure that they get this happy meal. But here's the thing with happy meals. Here's what I experienced on that day. I gave to them. I said, fine, you want to be happy? Get your stinking happy meal. I want to be happy too. And I gave them the happy meal and the happiness didn't last because it doesn't. After they have their food and their toy, they get tired of it, and there's no contentment. And every time there's a new toy, right now it's Luca, and so, Dad, we got to get the Luca Happy Meal. Every time there's a new toy, they need another Happy Meal to make them happy, but that happiness doesn't last. They don't say, do you remember that one Happy Meal we got back in, in 2018? It changed everything, and I'm so content ever since. No, they want the newest Happy Meal. And the same is true with us. See, when we get older, we don't necessarily get a whole lot wiser. Our Happy Meals just seem to get a lot more expensive, right? And so Satan, our enemy, he tries to lure us away from all that God wants to do inside of us by making us believe this Happy Meal lie. That if you just get it, you'll be happy, if you just accumulate, he, he makes us believe this lie that, that acquiring more, that materialism, that seeking after material possessions to make us happy will fill our hearts with joy. But it doesn't fill anything except for our houses with junk and the debt that needs to be paid. So I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about debt. Now on, on Wednesday nights, uh, several families in our church familia, they're going through Financial Peace University. And in Financial Peace University, there are some real practical tools that help get people out of debt. And Dave Ramsey does a phenomenal job. I try to teach like him and talk through real practical stuff. I'm not very good at it. So I'm going to leave that up to Dave Ramsey. But what I want to do in dollars and cents is I want to come alongside what's happening in Financial Peace University and give some spiritual tools to help us understand how God wants to set us free and leave a legacy. And so I want to say this on the onset as, as we teach today. It's this, that, that debt is not a deep-rooted issue. Debt is a symptom. In fact, I want you to write this down. Debt is oftentimes a symptom of coveting. Coveting, which comes from a heart of discontentment. As we continue to talk through dollars and cents, I've titled today's teaching, content, oh, what I call it? Coveting and discontentment. Dollars and cents, today we're talking about coveting and discontentment. And what we've been looking at over the last several weeks is that when it comes to God's word and talking about our resources, we find that's not really about what we have. As we study God's word, we see it's more about our heart towards what we have. In fact, the, the Bible gives us four different types of ideas, perspectives of our heart when it comes to our finances, when it comes to our wealth. And so I want to lead with that today. I write, write these down in your notes here at home, uh, here and at home, four categories of financial heart conditions. I want to talk through this as we, as we open up this parable that Jesus talks about, about contentment and discontentment and coveting. The four categories of financial heart conditions. The first one is this. It's to be righteous and rich. We can be righteous and have a lot of resources. And, and what this means is that the way that you've accumulated your wealth 
is righteous. You're not cheating people. You're paying your taxes. You're paying your bills. You're being honest with what God has given to you. And also what you do with that is also righteous as well. You give to the poor. You give to, the God. You give to God. You support people. You are very generous. If you are an owner of a business, what this means is that you are kind to the people that work for you. This is what it means to be righteous and rich, the Bible shows us. But then we also have unrighteous and rich. This is people who have a lot of wealth, but how they've acquired this wealth is not righteous. They do it by scamming, by scheming, by cheating. They're dishonest. And then with what they have, they are very, very, very selfish. It's only to themselves. It's not to God. It's not to other people. It's not to help. It's to hoard for themselves. Uh, the parable we're looking at today is someone who is unrighteous and rich. Top of that, the, the third one is righteous and poor. And like the righteous and rich, how they've acquired what they have is good and godly, but they just don't have a whole lot of it. But yet, even though they don't have a whole lot, they are very generous. They're very loving. They're very kind. They give to God. They, they, they serve other people. In Mark chapter 12 and Luke chapter 21, in God's word, we, we learn of this woman who was righteous, but yet was poor. And she gave of the little that she had. And Jesus said that her righteousness far exceeded everyone else because her heart was to grow the kingdom of God and support the mission of Jesus. So we have righteous and rich, unrighteous and rich. We have righteous and poor. And then finally, we have unrighteous and poor. And these are people who don't work hard, who don't even think of it who don't think of having a savings account, who don't save up for retirement. They're just frivolous. They just like to spend and spend and spend and spend. And if for some reason they do get some money, some wealth in their hands, they'll pay off their debt, but they'll continue to go through this cycle of foolishness. They just continue to spend and waste. And so what can happen is that when we look at resources from a worldly perspective, all we see is rich and poor. But if we look at it through the lens of God's word from a theological perspective, it's not whether or not you are rich or you are not. The issue is, are you righteous with what God has entrusted you with? Or are you unrighteous with what God has entrusted you with? Do you use it for yourself or do you use it to grow the kingdom? And so here's where this story starts. Luke chapter 12, verse 13, as we talk about coveting and discontentment. Luke 12, 13, it says, Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge and arbitrator over you? Here's a context of what we just read. Jesus has effectively built up a megachurch. Thousands of people are thronging all around him to hear what he has to say. And Jesus just finished concluding, talking about a lot of spiritual things. He was talking about eternity and heaven and hell. And one guy, he, he works his way to the front of the crowd and he raises his hand. He says, hey, Jesus, all that stuff about heaven and hell and eternity, that, that's, that's good. That's cute. That's awesome. But, but here's what I want to know. How do I make more money? Out of all the things you could ask Jesus, maybe the only opportunity you'll get. He says, how do I get more money? And listen to Jesus' response. He basically says, I don't care. <laughs> that matters far more to you than it does to me. 
Now, I want to make this clear. Jesus cares about our wealth and our well-being. He cares about our cares. But what he cares far more about is our eternal destiny. What he cares far more about is who we are and where we stand in him. But how often do we miss what God is trying to reveal to us and who he's trying to transform us into because we're so fixated and focused on coveting, on discontentment. This guy missed everything because his mind was only on money. Here's the situation he found himself in. Bible says that his father had just passed away. And instead of coming together and understanding with his brother, mourning with his brother over the loss of their father, his only concern is, is my brother going to get more money than me in the inheritance? And it reveals his, his heart. See, something that should have been good, something that should have been the family coming together in unity and mourning and celebrating his life became litigious and contentious. And they're bringing in lawyers trying to figure out who is going to get what. And this, this instance, this situation that should have been a, a season of healing and hope and something good now became evil because of the love of money and I know that some of us, maybe you've experienced this in life before. And so here's what Jesus says. Luke 12, 15. He says, take care and be on guard. Be on your own guard. Be in defense mode. Protect yourself against all covetousness. Why? For life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. What is coveting? Covening is not having possessions. Covening is loving possessions and lusting after possessions. And even if you don't have the resource to get those possessions that you love, you do whatever it takes. You find your identity. You, 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 you cheat. You steal. Whatever it takes to get what you want. And that is called debt. Anyone here know a thing or two about debt? Come on, perfect place for imperfect people. Anyone here in debt? A lot of us in debt, right? The average family in America in 2021 is $6,000 in credit card debt. Some of you are like, oh, I'm above average. Yes. First time in a long time I've been above average in anything. And, and that's not anything to laugh about. Because the book of Proverbs says that the one who borrows, he's enslaved to the lender. And so anytime we love things and we try to find our identity and the possessions that we have and we do whatever we can to get it, especially when we don't have the money, what we are doing is we are inserting our hands into shackles to get what we want. And now we are enslaved because that's the trick with debt. It always leads to slavery. Because what you now own, you don't own. Someone else owns it. Because if you don't pay it back, they're coming to take it. They own your possessions. They own your money. They own your time. They own your thinking. They own your peace. Because you're worried about, how am I going to pay this back? And now I'm paying all this interest. That's the trick with debt. It enslaves us. This is what coveting does. It makes us a slave to a master that is not Jesus. And we don't take it that seriously. 
In fact, we don't even use that word coveting in our language today. We call it advertising. We call it marketing. And all advertising is, is there for is to get us to covet and to be discontent about things that we didn't even know existed. Oh, I want my happy meal. I want my happy meal. I, I want what's inside it's going to make me happy. Oh, did you hear about that new phone? It's a new phone. What's so new about it? I don't know. It has an AR scanner. What does that do? I'm not sure, but it helps me take better selfies of me and all my stuff. So I got to have it. Did you hear about that new car? No, what? What's new about it? Oh, it has, has ventilated seats. Why do you need ventilated seats? Because we live in South Florida and it's hot. You know, I just got to take care of my body. I need it. I got to have it. And what happens in advertising? Six, 12 months later, something new comes out. Oh, I got to have that now. What's new about it? I don't know, but it's now the 13 or the 14 or the 2022 model. I gotta have it. They come out with something new so we can continue to covet and be discontent with what we have. This is the problem with coveting. This is the problem that, that it brings. And it's sin. To covet is to sin. See, we don't take it that seriously. But did you know that it's actually in the Ten Commandments? It made the top 10 list. Here's what God says. He says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. I love that it starts with a house because I've seen this. Whenever a neighbor's house goes for sale, who's the first people there at the open house? The rest of the neighborhood. Why? Because you're coveting. You want to see what kind of countertops did they have? Did they do anything to the bathroom? Oh my gosh, look what they did. How come our house isn't like that, honey? Do not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox, which would be his tools, his donkey, which is his vehicle or anything that is your neighbor's. This made the top 10 commandments. Why? Because it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of our heart. Coveting and contentment are matters of the heart that consume everything. Meaning, you can't be content in one area, but then covet in another. You're either fully content with what God has entrusted you with, or you're coveting. And if you're coveting, you're not living in the peace and the freedom that God has designed you for. And you worship an idol. Covening is worshiping an idol. An idol could be anything that you've created that you long for, that you love, that you lust after. And coveting is an idol. Many of us, we worship the God of money and not the God of creation. And this is why it's in the top 10 commandments. Because the first two, it says there's one God. The second one says, and you worship him alone. If we if we know that there's one God who's over everything and we worship him alone, if we can follow the first two commandments, we won't break the other commandments. If we worship him alone, we're not going to lust. We're, we're not going to murder. We're not going to lie. We're not going to steal. We're not going to covet. I mean, put this into perspective. If we know that he is the one true God and that he's given us everything, God, he, you love me as imperfect as I am. It makes no sense, but thank you. God, what you've given me, 
is already enough because what you've given me is your presence with me. You never leave me. You fight my battles for me. Thank you. This is why we worship him. This is why it's so important. Jesus says to guard your heart against coveting. Stop worshiping the idol called money. Stop worshiping the idol called FOMO, called coveting. He said to guard your heart against all covetousness. How do we do that? I want you to write this down. Calling out to God is what guards our hearts from coveting. Calling out to God is what guards our hearts from coveting. When I talk about calling out, I'm talking about two things in specific. I'm talking about prayer and I'm talking about praise. When we cry out to God in prayer, Philippians 4 says, pray and the peace of God will guard your heart and your minds in Jesus. How do we guard our hearts? By spending time, by calling out to God, by being in his presence and praying, by praising. Psalm 23, it's a psalm of praise. King David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my provider, I have everything that I need. It's prayer and praise. And some of us were disregarding. We're like, yeah, it's always prayer and praise. And because of that, we don't live it out. We say it's all too simple, and that's why we don't live it out. But the reason it's so simple is because it's God's truth. And we miss out on the power of its simplicity that will set us free because we think it's too simple and we don't put it into action. Put it into perspective. We don't deserve anything, but he's given us all things. Thank you, God. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you've forgiven me. Thank you that even though I don't deserve it, I can stand here today. Thank you, God, that even though I don't deserve a family, you've blessed me with children. Even though I don't deserve friendships, you've blessed me with familia. I have everything that I need, and I praise you. And when we do that, that breaks the power of covetousness over our lives. It reframes our perspective, not to what we, we, we don't have, but, but what God has already given to us. And it makes us grateful for who he is and who we are in him. And some of us today, we need to hear that. Some of us, we have a heart that covets. We see our neighbor's stuff and we want it. We see the new thing and we have FOMO. We watch all the advertisements and we put ourselves into debt because of it. The Holy Spirit wants to set us free today. But some of us, we need to hear this next part. This is where Jesus, after this, after he, he calls this guy out and says, listen, it doesn't matter. Guard your heart against covetousness. Your family is more important. Your faith is more important. All you're worried about is, am I going to get more? And then Jesus, he begins to expound on this through this parable. Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 16, says, Jesus told him a parable. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, ah, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build larger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul... Soul, you have ample goods laid up for you for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry, verse 20. But God said to him, fool. Turn to the person next to you, call him a fool. Look back at him and say, no, you're a fool. I'm not a fool, you're a fool. We're all fools. We're gonna find out we're all fools. He says, fool, this night your soul has been required of you and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So what, what happened with this guy? 
This guy, his business was succeeding. He's acquired his wealth by righteous means. That's not his sin, okay? It's not a sin that your business grows. It's not a sin that you have stuff. His sin was what he did with his stuff. It wasn't a problem that he had wealth. It's what he did with his wealth. He worshipped his wealth. He was happy, but he wasn't content. And happiness depends on it happening, but, but joy comes from a relationship with God. Joy brings contentment. He was happy, but he wasn't content. And so he comes up with this idea. You know what? I'm going to tear down my barns, and I'm going to build bigger ones, and I'm going to fill them with all of my stuff. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to relax, and I'm not going to do a thing from this moment. I'm just going to retire and drink my Mai Tai and not do a single thing for the rest of my life. And what does God call him? Fool. Now, for those of you who are retired, <laughs> he's not warning about retirement, okay? He's warning about the danger of discontentment. I want you to write this down. Discontentment ju doesn't just mean that you're not happy with what you have. It means you don't do anything meaningful with what you have. Did you get that? Discontentment doesn't just mean that you're not happy with what you have. It means that you don't do anything meaningful with what God has entrusted you with. I've done everything. I've already raised up all the resources. I'm done working. I'm just going to do nothing. Last Father's Day, that was my heart. I was discontent. Dad, it's Father's Day. Let's play. I'm not doing anything. I've done your schoolwork for a week. I've cleaned your underwear. I've played with you outside. It's my day, and I'm doing nothing. And Jesus said, you fool. This man, his whole heart was, I'm just going to pretend like I'm already in heaven. I'm going to relax. I'm going to kick up my feet like I'm in the perfect place, and I'm not doing anything from this moment on. And Jesus called him, a fool. He said it was foolish. It's foolish to store the treasure that God has entrusted you with. Do you remember Matthew 25? The guy who just stored it in the ground? He was a wicked and lazy servant. It's foolish to simply store what God has entrusted you with. And fathers, I want you to hear that. I'm not here today to, to guilt you into doing more. I'm not here today to make you compare yourself to other Christian fathers and to covet what's happening in their life and in their family. No, I'm here to encourage you. And I want to let you know that what God has put inside of you is already enough for you to be everything that he's created you to be as a husband and as a father to your children. So don't store it. Don't sit on it. We need you. We need your presence. We need your consistency. We need you to give. We need you to love. We need you to lead. We need you to serve. It's foolish to store up what God has entrusted us with. So dads, let's do something with what we have. Amen? A lot of ladies are like, yeah, I want to say amen. You let them know. He comes home, six o'clock, says, I'm done working. Listen, this isn't just for dads. This is for all of us. 
Every single one of us, the Holy Spirit is saying to us, you're foolish. See, this guy, he, he was rich. The problem wasn't that he was rich. The problem was that he worshiped his wealth. And we're like, yeah, rich people are foolish, especially greedy rich people. But do you know that we're the rich ones? We're rich. I mean, if you have air conditioning in your house and electricity to power the things in your house, and you have working plumbing and a refrigerator to store the abundance of food that you have for plenty of days, historically, that means you're rich. Because the majority of the rest of the world does not have that. They don't have these luxuries. Last week, we were at summer camp, local youth camp 2021. We took your teenager's cell phones away so that they wouldn't be distracted by the things of this world. But I had my cell phone on me. And I was like, why do I only have 4G? I pay for 5G. It's taking so long for this 888 to upload. What is going on? And I just felt so bad for myself. And I was like, you know, I'm going to persevere like the Bible tells me to do. It's foolish. It's a first world problem. Every day we had activities at three o'clock. The first two days it rained at three o'clock. Oh no, it's raining. What are we going to do? All our plans, forget about them. How are we going to do anything when it's raining in South Florida? We weren't prepared for this. Oh no. When people in the rest of the world, they have real problems to deal with. Like where are we going to get clean water? And where are we going to lay our head tonight? We're the rich ones and we don't realize it. We're the ones who historically buy and build bigger barns. Again, I want to make this clear. It is not a sin for you to have a large house. It's not a sin for you to, to fill it up with things. But especially in South Florida, this might affect some of you. This might just hurt you a little bit too bad. Too many of us, we build or we buy these bigger barns and we have nothing to fill them with. And instead of sitting back and relaxing and doing nothing, we're worried. How are we going to pay for this barn? Now I can't retire. Now I have to continue to work because I put myself into debt. And Jesus wants to set us free from that. Some of us, we have the big barns. And it's still not enough. And so what have we done in America? We created something called storage facilities. Did you know that in America, there are four times more storage facilities than there are McDonald's? That's a lot of Happy Meals, right? That's a lot of lying of, I got to fill it up. I got to get more stuff in there. And the stuff I don't use, my junk, I, I put in the storage facility. You know what I find curious about storage facilities? Again, I understand that there's a legitimate use for them. Some of you have business and supply and all that stuff. But for a lot of us, it's, hey, uh, we don't use this stuff anymore, so let's just throw the junk in there. And what I find interesting about storage facilities is that they're made of the same building materials as the majority of homes on planet Earth. Cinder block and tin roofs. They don't have electricity in a lot of them. They don't have AC in a lot of them. There's certainly not plumbing in your storage facility. 
In fact, the, the average size storage facility in America is larger than the average home in the world. And this is where we store our junk. But this is where the rest of the world puts their family. What are we doing with what we have? Are we being wise or are we being foolish? It's not a sin to make money. It's not a sin to have stuff. It's not a sin to have a decent house. Let, let me tell you, let me show you where this guy went wrong. Let me show you the real issue. Back to Luke 12, 17. It says, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. Continues on. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my grains and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Here in this passage, we see a trinity. It's not the trinity, but we see the God that he worships. It's the trinity of me, myself, and I. That's the issue. And so the question for us today is, is that it? With what we have right now, is that it? Is it just for our, ourselves? Is it only for our own consumption? Nothing to God, nothing to the poor, nothing to our families, nothing to help anyone. Is that it? Jesus says, that's foolish. Luke 12, 21. And so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. For himself was the problem. He was rich for himself and not for God. Next week, we're going to talk about what it means to be rich toward God. And it's going to set us free and it's going to help leave us a legacy for, for other people to find this hope in Jesus. But today, I want to bring it back to all the dads here in this place. I want to make this practical. I want to make this powerful. And so I want you to write this down. A coveting heart seeks more for myself when I have more. If I have a coveting heart, the more I get, the more I want it for myself, the more I store. I don't need 55 pairs of shoes, but I'm going to buy 55 more. I don't need two homes, but I'm going to buy three. Because the more that I have, the more I want for myself. But a content heart seeks to bless others when I have more. Now that God has given me, I've taken care of my family, I've left a legacy, my debt is paid, and now I can be generous to others. That's what a content heart does. Now dads, we're gonna have fun today. I hope you throw some axes. You have a photo spot out there that you don't have to take a picture in front of. Today, your family, they're, they're gonna give you some cards and some neckties, hopefully not neckties, and, and take you out to dinner tonight, hopefully, or let you grill. Today, we wanna celebrate you. We want to bless the dads here in this place, but teaching you how to be a blessing is the greatest blessing that we can give to you. And so I have a challenge for all the dads here in this place. Dads, you up for a challenge? Thank you, the three of you. Godly man right over here. The rest of you. Men, God-fearing, wife-loving, children-raising up, spirit-filled men of God. Are you ready for a challenge? The average 
family in America gives $17 a week to communities of faith. Now, I know for some of you, you're like, that's it? And, and you're so generous in your giving, and, and, and that's great. That's good. But for us to take a step of faith, to break out of this curse of discontentment, of coveting, of I need, I want, I will do whatever it takes. I want us to take a small intentional step of faith today. And here's how. That $17 that some of you are prepared to give today, or maybe you're not prepared to give today, or even whatever you've prepared to give to God today, I want to challenge the dads in this place to intentionally use that this week, not to give to the church, but to be generous to someone else. I want to challenge you to not just see that it's about yourself or it's about our church. It's not about our church. It's about Jesus, who's all about people. And so whatever you had prepared to give today, if you had nothing prepared to give today, give the average, give $17 intentionally to bless someone else outside of this place. Maybe for you, it's, it's using that money to take your kids out to ice cream today. Kids, it's my day, but I want to bless you. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's treating out a coworker to lunch or it's paying for the car behind you and leaving them an invite card. Maybe it's randomly just giving it to someone saying, hey, man, God wanted me to give this to you because you matter to God and, and you matter to me. And so I just wanted to bless you with the $17. Or maybe it's even more intentional. Maybe it's taking the time to pray and saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? I just want to prepare you that he may put on your heart to give far more than $17 to bless someone in need. But I'm telling you, it's always worth it. To ask those questions, God, what are you teaching me? Where's my heart today? It's not about what I have, it's about my heart towards what you've entrusted me, what you've given to me. What do you want me to do with that today? Maybe for some of you, it's as simple as, you know what, just drop that $17 into our change for a dollar bucket on your way out so that we can do even more good and help people in our local community who are in need. But I believe that God is going to set us free and lead us as we example what it means to not be about ourselves, to not store up for ourselves, but to be rich towards God. And we'll talk about that more next week. Now, some of you here today, I know this is reality. Some of you, you don't have $17 to give. And if that's you, you matter to God and you matter to us. I want to ask you and invite you to fill out that connect card and put down your, your name and your need. And tomorrow we're going to call you and we're going to do whatever we can to come alongside to fight for you because you are our familia and help happens here. Again, it's not about us. It's not about our building. It's not about our property. This is not about that. Dollars and cents is so that we can grow the heart of God in us. And so here's a final thing that I want us to write down that I want us to understand today. Blessing others, it breaks the heart of coveting and discontent and grows the heart of Jesus in us. That's our hope. That's our prayer. That's what this has all been about. For the heart of Jesus to be our hearts. And so today I want us to, to lead by example. Thank you for listening to the Local Church Podcast. 
If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.